0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Straight ahead this morning on The Insiders, Iowa lawmakers are likely down to their final month or maybe two of this legislative session. And they're still considering some pretty major changes when it comes to education. Democratic State Senator Claire Selsey will be with us on fighting some of those changes, what she still hopes to accomplish this year, and what it's like to be a rookie lawmaker in the minority party. Plus taxes could still be on the agenda for Republicans this session. We'll look inside the plans to cap how much your property taxes could go up. And in the Insider's Quick 6, no offense to Domino's and those self-driving delivery cars, we're going to talk about a slice of pizza, old school. Good morning. First, of course, our thoughts have to be with so many of you dealing with the record floods and the struggles that remain ahead. So we want to begin with that and bring in our first guest this morning, Claire Selsey. She's spending her first year in the Iowa Legislature. She's a Democrat lives in West Des Moines. Thanks for being with us. Good morning. I feel like we have to start with the floods and I know primarily it's really crushing so many people in the western part of our state but even in your district since you represent floor there in Des Moines Mm -hmm. what what do you make about all this?
0: Well it's deja vu all over again Mm -hmm. for a lot of folks. Um, I lived through the 1993 floods here in Des Moines um, and so really have good bad memories of what happened then. However, um, The flooding is so widespread this time. I think that's why it's giving us all just, um, you know, major pause what's going on. So we actually are considering some, did consider some legislation in the Senate yesterday that would have helped mitigate floods, and um, it seems like the Republicans did not want to have that conversation yesterday and passed the bill anyway. So it was a little disconcerting.
1: Do you see anything going forward in the last month or two of the session? Will you have to do something specifically for a extra aid or anything?
0: Yeah. Well, at this time uh, during the Culver administration, they were calling for a special session basically to uh, deal with uh, specifically flooding concerns in Cedar Rapids. It would have been
1: uh, 08? Yeah, right?
0: yeah. So, you know, it's a huge problem. Uh, not only are we not doing enough to mitigate it on the planning side and on the funding side, um, it seems that we were caught pretty flat-footed um, in this situation as well. Um, we could have probably predicted this, and in fact, lots of flooding experts were predicting this, and then um, specific problems with the Army Corps upstream from us are well known. Uh, so we, I think we were caught pretty flat-footed on this disaster.
1: Uh, originally, wanted to have you in here to talk about education. Um, you were sort of a fly on the wall as Betsy DeVos came to the State House. So they did a private meeting with some select people who were inside the the room talking about private school vouchers, essentially. One of the things they talked about. And then she and Senator Brad Zahn did a media avail afterwards where the reporters could ask a few questions there. You were kind of off to the side, and it had kind of tweeted a picture of of what you viewed uh what did you make of that whole thing and do you feel like there is a push on the other side there's your picture from from across there uh it's in the basement isn't it yeah i said
0: i spy betsy devos in the people's house there (laughs) she was
1: there she was um what do you make about this push you've been uh pushing hard against this idea
0: yes well uh, betsy devos is behind a major campaign in the state of michigan that basically devastated their public schools. So if the people of Iowa don't learn from that and then, you know, extrapolate what could happen here in Iowa, you know, bad on us. She comes into our state, you know, invited by the governor, and the governor decides not to invite public education advocates instead inviting some select business lobby folks and some private school folks and one uh, superintendent uh, from Waterloo and she was really taken aback um, by being the only public school advocate in the room so I think we should learn from Betsy DeVos's past and say what could happen in Iowa especially when we have a Republican legislature that is so hell-bent on bringing vouchers into our state and they've tried it years in a row. Uh,
1: as you know supporters will say this is about choice and why shouldn't we have this mm-hmm. vouchers because if you want to go to a school perhaps with a religious Um, leaning and in the teaching, why shouldn't some tax dollars go to that?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, tax dollars already do go to that. Um, I am a Catholic school kid. I went to Catholic school for 12 years. Uh, So did my brother and sister. My mom and dad paid for it. I asked my dad, Dad, did you guys ever think of asking for public money when we were in school? And he said, absolutely not. He said, our main goal was to allow our kids to experience our faith in school, and you can't do that in a public school, so we decided to send you to a private school. It was their choice, their money, their decision. The choices have always been there, so school choice is really not um, what what's at issue. What is at issue is who's paying for it. Iowa already pays a combination of tax credits and out cash outlay every year, $60 million a year to private schools and some of those private schools have actually admitted to me that they could not survive without it so the public needs to decide do we want to create a parallel system that we're funding both private and public when we can't even fund our public schools uh... right now i just think it's a bad it's a bad dichotomy it's a bad choice uh... public money is for public schools
1: we just showed that picture that uh... Uh, you at the state house this past week you're staying in there with your with your homemade sign mm-hmm. what is it like so it's your first your first year up there rookie um <laughs> and you know you come in where obviously your party's at a huge disadvantage mm-hmm. especially in the senate you really narrowed the gap in the house but the senate there's big mm-hmm. big gap between the two parties so you come in there with the learning curve that any freshman has mm-hmm. right to try to figure mm-hmm. out first where the bathroom is and everything else oh, how do right. you make it to all these meetings and everything else mm-hmm. but what's it like there clearly you have a lot of ideas right or you wouldn't have gone for this but you're in the minority. There are almost twice as many Republicans as Democrats in there. So, how do you see your day to day?
0: Yeah, it's some some days it's really like hard. Like a
1: Claire Selsey bill is probably not going to get passed, right?
0: Right. I I submitted um, probably 17 or 18 bills, and none of them made it through the committee process for the first funnel, which is not surprising. Um, to be honest with you. When a bill is successful, usually the author of the bill is building coalitions around it and and getting lawmakers to kind of, um, on both sides of the aisle, to, you know, kind of endorse the idea. Um, When you're brand new and don't even know where the bathrooms are, as you pointed out. Yeah, and um, I'm not
1: poking (laughs) fun at you. That's just what everybody always tells me. No, it's
0: true. Um, So it takes you a little bit of time to figure out how to do things and how to build those coalitions with people, get to know people. Um, so I'm still getting to know folks even in my own caucus. So it's it's hard to just straight out of the gate, um, you know, pass a bill. So but I, I do I am committed to that, to really building coalitions around my bills and other people's bills. So I'll be doing that next year.
1: OK, the thing that you don't really do much of during the session, but afterwards is try to keep this. PR side that you had going into this. So when we come back, I want to get your thoughts on that specifically, especially as we hear and watch some of these 2020 presidential candidates and how they're trying to use social media to maybe find that viral moment or maybe show that they're just kind of a regular person. Sometimes it involves a beer, a trip to the dentist, or maybe even a dumbbell fly. We'll talk about that next. All right, I want to switch to Senator Claire Selsey's other life, the public relations side. Um, you get to watch and meet. How many presidentials have you met so far? Oh, Do you know?
0: probably eight, eight Eighth or nine. Cool? You're and half, most of them are personal you're halfway there. Personal meetings. <laughs> so it's it's nice to be able to get to know them.
1: Uh, but one of the things you always, and have talked about for years, social media and the use of social media. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to run a little clip here. We have three different uh, candidates here. Kirsten Gillibrand in New York, Beto O'Rourke of Texas, and Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts and how they're trying to use social media. So this yep. is Gillibrand's that she just posted from this last trip to Iowa. And if you can read her shirt, there, it's about goes back to that U of I yes. student who was at the last oh. Gillibrand trip. So saying all I she think
0: wants to I, I think trip. it's awesome that she's doing that. Um, I, you know, she has two small kids. She's probably just like the rest of us, still trying to get back in shape. It takes years sometimes. So um, I think a lot of um, women, especially, wonder how do you have time to do all your normal things like work out and um, you know just be a normal person and I think that's perfect plus she's doing 20 pounds on each arm that's awesome uh,
1: 20 20 a nice little yeah, subtle very nice all right what about the beto work thing so this was back before he got in the race he went to the dentist uh-huh
0: he has nice teeth that's the first my first impression <laughs> you um, should
1: because the camera bud goes down his throat y-
0: yes so to me this is just a little too much information i really don't need to see his epiglottis to know that he's a good person um and
1: that's the warren one so she kind of <laughs> walks off camera and she's like hey i need to get a beer and then she comes back uh-huh she has the beer and eventually her husband will join yeah, her. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I like Elizabeth Warren. She's just a down-to-earth person. Um this is her, this is the real her. So, um and I think her and her husband are adorable together. So, video is a huge thing in in modern day campaigns. Um people want to know that you're a real person. People want to know that you're relatable. And I think there's nothing better than video and that's actually pretty new in in uh PR land.
1: How how do you walk the line here? I know you don't like Donald Trump, but what he does so well is he gets his message straight to people, bypasses the media. He has a huge Mm -hmm. social media following. Um, if you could give some advice to these 2020 ers how do they walk the line? Because there is a risk, like with O'Rourke, that probably didn't work when you got a camera going Mm -hmm. down his throat at a dentist. But so how do you, how do you show that you're a regular person communicate with your followers and constituents without getting too hokey?
0: Right, it's it's a it's definitely a balancing act, and you have to remember everything that you're tweeting out there is going to be on the record forever, unless you delete your tweets, like some folks I guess have in the past. Um, so, people have taken different uh, methods. I've noticed that uh, Kamala Harris it is a very policy-oriented Twitter feed. I mean, basically, she has them programmed in there, day in and day out, day and night. Um, different policy. Positions that she holds, so that's her tactic. Whereas Beto's is much more personal in the moment—things um, that he's doing, things that he's thinking, you know, songs he's singing, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. So it's a much more personal take. So um, it—I think it works for both of them. It fits both of their personalities well, um, and people choose their candidates based on what they feel a, a, a presidential candidate should be. Whether you're a firebrand or whether you're a policy wonk, it really fits both.
1: All right. Uh, if you can hang tight, we'll come back for the quick six at the end of the show. Speaking of policy here, we're going to talk taxes when we come back. Property taxes specifically and an idea at the State statehouse about maybe capping how much locals can increase property taxes in a year. We'll get into that next. Des Moines and Urbandale are among the Polk County towns saying their property taxes will be able to be lower because voters approved increasing that local option sales tax by a penny. But some state lawmakers are complaining that too many towns keep raising property taxes across our state and they're looking to limit how much the local leaders can do that. Matt Everson is the state director of the National Federation of Independent Business. We're going to talk a bunch of taxes here.
2: Yeah, I like this it. This
1: morning, so thanks for coming, thanks for coming in here, hey, thanks, man. Thanks uh, for having this me. This idea to kind of cap property taxes, yeah. it's kind of twofold, right? So you've got property taxes that could go up, but also so lawmakers are concerned that they just keep raising the valuations of properties as well. Yeah,
2: I mean, the bill that's uh, in the House right now, HSB 165, would uh, cap that. And other states have done this. Um, if you don't cap the revenue growth, uh, property taxes will just keep rising and rising. I mean, the 2013... Uh, tax rollbacks have basically gone away. And uh, what they're saying here is, hey, let's cap uh, city and county growth at 2%. Now, that doesn't mean cities and counties can't go above that cap. They just have to be transparent, go to the public, and uh, offer up why they're going over the 2%. And, uh, you know, we think this is a good idea, a good first step in controlling uh, property taxes. So
1: why have the state get involved? Why not just leave it all to the locals? It's their decision. They know their local needs. If they need to raise it four percent, why not let them do
2: it? Yeah, I think uh, taxes are just too high. That hasn't happened. Uh, you know, I don't know. Your your taxes, commercial rates are even worse for our businesses. Uh, that's the sad part, is that they're maybe five to six times the amount that residential are. And obviously, if If money's going to taxes, it isn't going to expanding or giving employees raises or, uh, you know, creating new business. So that's a big concern on the uh, on the commercial part of it. Uh, The residential has gone up as well. Assessments are going up, which is great. Everybody wants their home values to go up. But at the same time, uh, you know, property taxes are also going up and levies are staying the same. And that's a tax increase. If they're going up 10 percent on your assessment. That's essentially a 10%, and the cities will say, hey, it's the assessors and that. But I think there is good bipartisan, and I think the cities agree. This is a great first step in the transparency of it.
1: you think th- it gets through this session, or do they need this year to talk about it and do
2: it next year? You know, I, I'm always optimistic. Uh, I think uh, Randy, Senator Randy Feenstra and Representative Hine are doing a great job in working together. I know the leadership uh, uh, Speaker Upmeyer has been tremendous advocate on this. She knows the problems that she hears from her constituents. Uh, Majority Leader Whitver and President Schneider, are the same thing. And even the governor. The governor has uh, led on this thing. Uh, More broadly,
1: when you talk about taxes. Where do you see this discussion, any kind of tax reform going this session? Do you see anything else happening or is this a multi-year thing?
2: Uh, it's a multi-year thing. I mean, property taxes is so complicated, sure. as you know, with the levies. Uh, you know, I think the first step is capping uh, the growth, slowing the growth down, and then it's analyzing what are we paying for in property taxes. The essential uh, needs—police, fire, roads—those things are essential. But what else are we paying in there? You know, there's a ton of different levies uh, within someone's property taxes uh, that should probably be funded through the general fund.
1: Now, this local option increase—the pressure is going to be on these Polk County communities to fix potholes among other things yep. because the roads are a mess um will you stepping back ju- just looking at the tax discussion property taxes aside we got about a minute left here yep. do you see anything with income or corporate that will happen this session
2: or is that too no. i think you know we just passed those uh, tax cuts last year mm-hmm. the federal tax cuts are obviously two years into it now um I don't see anything done on that this year. I could see something maybe next year, maybe accelerating those triggers to get those income tax rates slower. Um, you know, most of our members aren't affected by the corporate tax rate, but it's all part of the ecosystem. Yeah, you're, and a, you're and a small a, business, that's yeah, who you represent. And, and attracting uh, businesses here. And I would say, you know, property taxes, all those taxes, I think the Tax Foundation has ranked us the fourth worst uh, tax state. Uh, in the uh, United States, and that's a problem when, when you're attracting people for workforce, which is, a, we could do another segment on that, uh, and so it's all part of the ecosystem, but uh, I think I think some of those issues will be addressed next year. This year, I think it's hopefully property taxes, maybe inheritance tax, but we'll see. Uh,
1: that could still happen? I doubt it. Okay. Uh, A couple seconds left here, Uh, specifically online sales tax. So now that we kind of have this way to better recoup um, and to perhaps help smaller businesses compare, compete with the Amazons, Mm -hmm. uh, is that something that you're seeing? Will that have an impact?
2: I think it'll have a revenue impact. Now our members are divided 50-50. You know, you have some that uh, will really see an advantage of that with their brick and mortar Mm -hmm. stores. Uh, and some that will be hurt by that and so we've sort of stayed neutral on that but I think you'll see a huge revenue impact uh, for the state uh, as long as we're enforcing those laws yeah tens of millions potentially tens of millions
1: all right man appreciate the time thank you thanks all right when we come back record flooding all in the western part of our state especially but an Iowa woman does not let that wash out her optimism we'll hear from her next The recovery from all of these floods will take months at least. So much is lost, especially in western Iowa. Roads, homes, crops, animals, property, people's lives, the erratic weather patterns, heavy rains, frequent snow, rapidly warming temperatures have left so much destruction for people to have to deal with. So thousands of Iowa families have been impacted so far. Many have lost nearly everything they own. But we found one Hamburg woman who caught our attention with her spirit, hope, and humor.
0: You just have to keep on going. Uh, We we have flood insurance, so hopefully that will help. But um, you just have to keep a positive attitude if you can. Besides crying makes my eyes all red. I don't like that.
1: (laughs) How can you not love her? All right, we come back. The Insider's Quick Six. A new Senate colleague, social media favorite, and family pizza. Senator Celci's back with a quick six next. Back now for the Insider's Quick Six with Senator Claire Selsey. Senator, question one. What is one thing that could still happen at the state house? one issue that you all think you could actually accomplish before the year's done?
0: I think that the I will um, penny sales tax could pass um, if we get together. There's a lot of people on both sides of the aisle that really want that to pass. Um, I think it just depends on what combination of funding is used for what. Uh, so I do think that is a possibility yet this year.
1: Uh, question two you will have a new colleague here, Eric Giddens, when he starts. Uh, so you got elected to replace Jeff Danielson up in the Cedar Falls area. What did his margin of victory tell you? I think he had about 57% mm-hmm. or so.
0: Yeah. I think two things. Um, the students were really fired up because of that election uh, bill that has been proposed in the State House to eliminate satellite voting at university campuses so i think and they were on
1: spring break when this vote right happened.
0: so i think that really motivated a lot of absentee voting um and i think it tells you that people have had enough of walt rogers and they don't want him back in the state house
1: uh, question three back to your pr side here what is your favorite social media medium <laughs> uh, instagram twitter facebook whatever
0: i'd probably have to say facebook um given my demographic a lot of folks that are my age and older tend to be on Facebook, and I get a lot of responses from Facebook, and in, in my community, that seems to be the one, but I also connect with young people on Twitter, so it's probably a toss-up. Okay.
1: Uh, question four. You've mentioned you've already talked to eight of the presidential candidates. Can you have some good generic advice for the Democrats running?
0: Be yourself absolutely be yourself Um, if you try to be somebody else or mimic other people's policies people will sniff that out immediately in iowa we're very savvy folks here in iowa we know what we're doing
1: Uh, question five the family business the tavern yeah valley junction Uh, your favorite pizza topping your family founded this. Yeah,
0: my uncle Chuck founded the restaurant. He's now passed away for a few years, but my family, my cousins still own it. Uh, my favorite pizza is the Veggie Supreme without olives.
1: <laughs> All right. Finally, your prediction.
0: My prediction that we will have a female president in 2020.
1: There are definitely plenty of choices. Mm-hmm. All right, Senator, appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you. Let's stay connected throughout the week, and we will see you next week here on The Insiders.